Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Each week, I'm joined by my co-host, Red, and some of the best product managers in the business. Together, we're having candid conversations that help you understand the challenges that a product manager faces, how they overcome them, and the tools and frameworks that will help you thrive in the role. So let's start the show. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Schulman, and I am the founding director of the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington. And I am excited to bring you conversations every week about how to succeed in product management. Every week, I'm joined by Red and Sumeya, and we invite uh, some of the best product managers in the business to share some of their insights with you as the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington aims to enrich the lives of diverse PMs and empower product managers to enrich the lives of diverse audiences. And each week we take a different topic, and today's topic is near and dear to to my heart and many of yours. We are focused on interviews, in particular product management interviews. And this conversation has value to those of you who are getting into a new role and want to know what it's like uh, moving up and and having to do the interviews. Um, And it also for, it's really intended for those who are going to go through the interview process trying to get hired, uh, you're going to get a little window into what employers are looking for uh, how they approach these PM interviews, and how you might be able to excel. It's a lot to pack into one hour, but we're going to try our best that at the end of this conversation, uh, you are better prepared for interviews if you are interviewing as the interviewee, and uh, better prepared for interviews if you are shaping how you or your organization approaches PM interviews. With that, we have a very special guest, Marty Burris, who has founded the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator here at the University of Washington. You've heard me talk about it week after week. Uh, Marty, I'm hoping that you could tell everybody a little bit about the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator, and now it's time for the origin story. The origin of this whole thing is a program, uh, IPA's predecessor program called Folding Chair. Folding Chair um, was birthed four years, four years now since Folding Chair um, came to be, and basically it was a student at Stanford that came up to me when I first moved out to California to the Bay. I was like, hey, you're the first person of color that I've met that's a product person. And I'm like, I, we mentor me I'm like what? And so she ultimately mentored me back and encouraged me to help other folks. Um, and so folding chair became, and the premise behind it was uh, Shirley Chisholm's quote. If you can't bring a, if you can't get a seat at the table, you bring a folding chair. And so it just grew like crazy. And uh, I think we did, oh my gosh, I think it was 10 million in salaries last time I checked before we moved over to IPMA and earlier this year. And I met this cool guy named Jeff <laughs> on LinkedIn. And he's like, hey, Marty, I'm having this conference. And in doing that conference prep, um, we started talking about this thing. I was doing called folding chair. And he's like, man, there's a place for that here at UW if you want it to be. And so after that, a lot, a lot of help and a lot of time passed. And uh, now I, I share this responsibility with uh, four other folks or five other folks on our steering committee, we have been able to to build out IPMA, which is the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator, um, which helps, which which goal is to really help folks find their place in technology. Um, we've got some more specific and tactical goals around um, wanting to see a hundred folks from marginalized communities in product management. But the journey has been amazing. And so um, thank you to everyone who's supported the program, helped the program. And even if you're interested in the program, 
hey, applications just closed for the winter cohort, but they'll they'll keep opening. We'll keep going. Um, and so if you want to be involved, whether that is hiring, whether that is being a fellow, join the community, the UW community on Slack. Um, follow along these type of events um, and hopefully we, we will connect. Thank you, Marty. Uh, welcome, welcome here. And for those just joining us today, we're going to talk about the PM interview. And uh, as Marty said, she's already helped create $10 million in salary for individuals from historically marginalized communities through her work preparing people for these interviews. And you're going to get her perspective and Sumeya's. And then we're going to have Red here helping you get your questions answered. So I want to turn it over to Red. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a founding advisory board member for the Product Management Center. We wouldn't be here without you. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself and how people can get involved in this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So for, for starters, I'm one of the founding advisory members, advisory board members uh, for this group, just like you, Marty fell in love with the work Jeff was doing and ultimately wanted to help grow the community. Well, Clubhouse is just one part of it. We also have a Slack community. That's right. If you're someone who's interested in joining a group of 1,200 PMs and growing, that's something we built over the last six to eight months uh, where you can get involved in meeting other PMs such as yourself to ask questions. Uh, ultimately, you can even find Marty, Jeff, and Samea. We're in there too. Uh, so I'm going to do a little magic trick right now and uh, put a link right here in the clubhouse. So if you're listening live, rock on. You can now find that link to join. But if you're not and you're listening to this as a podcast, well, guess what? We are recording tonight's show and publishing it on How to Succeed in Product Management podcast on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. So if you want to get involved, you can always Slack me, ping me, or you know what? Carrier Pigeon works as well, tweeting me, uh, finding me on LinkedIn. Jeff, I get pinged every single day now by another PM saying, thank you for making an inclusive environment. Thank you for making it easy for me to get involved. So I feel like we're doing our mission, and I'm just here to ultimately support that. All right. Thanks for being a tireless supporter of the Product Management Center. Uh, glad to have you here managing the stage, giving people an opportunity to get their questions answered either on Slack, they could bring them in here, or we'll call you up on stage in about 15, 20 minutes. Sumeya, I want to turn to you. Tell me a little bit about your history in product management interviews. How often, what companies have you done interviews for, and kind of what changes have you seen in how the interview takes place? What What's involved in the product management? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, there is some complexity here because the product management role and field itself has been evolving over the past couple of decades. And, and that's the time that I've been, uh, you know, working in this industry. So I've seen a lot of different iterations and ways of interviewing and thought processes. Uh, and we can talk about that uh, as well. Um you know, over my career, I've worked at large companies uh, such, uh, such as uh, VMware, where I'm at now, Ernst & Young, and uh, General Electric, and then also at startups and smaller companies. Uh, obviously, at startups, I had a lot more influence over the hiring process. I was able to experiment. Uh, I was able to take bigger risks in many ways and use more innovative ways of finding talent as well as training and helping, you know, level up people and uh, bringing people from other non-conforming backgrounds uh, into, into the fold. With larger companies, generally speaking, especially early in my career, I was plugged in by either the recruiting team or by a larger national committee. Over time, I've had, uh, I've been able to have more of an influence over that process um, and and participation and training people. So I, I've seen that iteration. The two points I wanted to bring up here to, to answer your question, Jeff, are one, 
uh, what I have seen change over time, and I think is still true to this day, the interview process for product management is different from one company to the next. And the same rules that apply around understanding the company you want to work for, why you want to work for it, the building that rapport with the interviewer, doing your research and due diligence ahead of time, none of that changes. That's true regardless, I think, of the role you're applying for. So I, I think that's something we can talk about and cover at high level. The stuff that really makes or breaks the process for a candidate is how do you find uh, the people who can give you those in- insights? So informal and formal mentors, what kind of practicing should you do? What kind of preparation and how should you message and frame the experiences you've already participated in? And those are all things I'm excited for us to talk about uh, within this context as well. All right. Thank you, Sumeya. Marty, I want to turn to you since, again, you've uh, coached people into product management roles, really help them get ready for the interview. So you have a lot of experience getting people into a lot of different companies. In your mind, what is the purpose of the product management interview? So like, what is the interviewer trying to do um, or learn about you? And what should the purpose be? What should they be trying to learn about you? There's a few. It depends on which part of the interview you're in, right? And so I'll just kind of take a a quick happy path of like a a three-round interview, right? So that first interview you have typically with a recruiter, they're just trying to make sure that they recruit with the right person. They want to look good to a hiring manager and look like they're sourcing people who fit the role. So they're really just there to qualify your talents and that you are the person that you say you are and all of that. Now, when you get into... Uh, every company does this different. Now, I find it's smaller companies and uh, enterprise companies. You meet with a hiring manager and consumer, like big tech consumer. So like Google's, Amazon's, Bing, that kind of thing. They're, you don't really meet with the hiring manager. It's more of a generalist interview. Um, and so in there, either one of two things happen. Um, depending on who's doing it, typically they want to do some type of quick case study type of interview. So in that interview, in the case study interview, that is the... You hear it called the product sense interview, the design interview. Uh, it's got a billion names. So basically, they're going to tell you basically on end to describe, basically improve a product or uh, do some type of analysis on a, an existing product or a new product. What they're trying to ascertain from you in that moment is less about your idea. That's the biggest misconception is that you have to come up with some harebrained idea that is unforgettable. You can have the mediocre idea. They're really actually trying to get your thought process. The cool thing about product management and what makes it different than any other job you've ever had and why I've even heard the interview referred to as almost like an SAT question type interview is because they're trying to understand your thought process, much like the SAT is. They're trying to understand how you logically get from point A to point B, C, and D. And the reason for that is once you get into the role, you have a lot of autonomy, right, um, to make decisions. And so they're not going to double check that you did all of your research and that everything that you put forward, it's accurate. And they're assuming that if you have met our basic understanding of, of thought process and you have our same shared thought process for how you create something, that's them trusting you at that point. And so that's what they're trying to understand. How do you go from A to B? And so that's why you see so many frameworks so you can properly show people your thought process. That's what all those frameworks do. And whether you're looking at circles or something else, you're just trying to get people to understand. When you get to things like execution, um, and that's kind of like the data interview, any of that, right? Same concept. Whenever I teach people how to pass the interview, we start with product design because once you know that, you'll pass execution because it's the same thing just flipped on its head. So they're asking you the same question just from more of an execution perspective. So 
think in design, typically you're, you're pretty high level and then the execution one um, or the, des- um, the data type of interview, right? It's more uh, tactical and it's more based on realness, right? Last part of that is like your technical interview. People just want to know that you can talk the talk. At the end of the day, I think the tech industry is a little, let's just say bougie for lack of a better word. And they want to know that you come in, that you're not going to offend the engineers because engineers are the greatest resource, right? PMs can be replaced. Engineers, much harder to replace. And so they want to know that you're going to understand what the engineer is saying so you can make the best decisions for the business. If you don't understand what the engineer is communicating to you, then you can only go so far. And that's pretty much it. Um, The last one I didn't cover is the behavioral interview. And the only reason for that is it's not as common. If you go, uh, I think Facebook has leadership and drive. Uh, Amazon has the uh, love bar raiser type of interview. And those you could think of as a behavior, but they're not a typical behavioral. What they want to know is how you perform under pressure. You are, product managers are one of the company's greatest investments, right? And they want to know how you perform under pressure and how, who you are. And so you're not going to get questions about, tell me about a time you worked on a project. You're going to get very um, pointed questions like, uh, Tell me what failure looks like to you. Tell me about, and that's going to be the whole conversation on end for like 30 minutes, you know? And so it's a little bit different. You, you know, you can't star approach your way out of that one. You know, you really have to be able to talk on end and very um, candidly about who you are and, and how you show up and, and how you perform. Sumeya, do you have anything to add or to echo? Uh, you've also been building a community here with The Weekend Product on Clubhouse. You've been mentoring people and, and making a big difference in the product management community. Have you seen anything similar or different from what Marty said? I think uh, Marty's coverage was very comprehensive and covers, especially for entry-level PMs, it covers all the instances. I'm just going to add one little piece, and this is for the more experienced roles. Specifically, product management leads, directors of product management. Uh, And for those, I think a lot of the interview questions usually focus on uh, strategy, focus on nuance, focus on the collaboration across strategic stakeholders. And and that's additive. Uh, You can, depending on the, the culture of the company you are going to, all the stuff that Marty already mentioned around the behavioral aspects or the bar raiser, all of those are true too for senior roles. But then uh, there are additional things like I mentioned, for example, the strategy piece uh, that they focus on a lot more. So I want to dive deeper into the product design interview. For those of uh, in the audience who have one of those are starting to get ready for uh, applying and want to know what to expect. Marty, can you give a little bit more specifics of Two things. One, what are some example questions or what might that look like of a product design, product sense interview? And then what is the first thing that they should be doing once they get one of those questions? So uh, when you get those questions, typically those questions, are, depending on the company you're interviewing at, it's going to be one of two ways. Either they're going to ask you about a, com- a product that you're comfortable with, and then they'll ask you a product design question around it. The most common one is how do you improve blank product? Depending on the company, though, they might ask you something very specific to the work that they're doing and something specific to the whatever that role is. And so, like I said, most of the difference is like generalist. If you're coming in as a generalist versus a dedicated role where there's like a wreck out there for you, then they'll ask you something very specific to that. Like, um, for instance, I'm on Slack, so they'll ask you a question like, you know, how would you improve Slack huddles or something like that? And you, one, you have to be familiar with that product and, and to go on. So the next step out of, outside of that is 
you want to qualify the question. You want to sit and kind of break down what they're trying to ask you. Um, and so some key tips that I'll give you, and this is some free game. Any verb in that question that they asked you, break it down. So that's that's key things. If you can't think of like questions to ask, I, I find that some folks struggle with the qualification questions. Things like, if I say, how do you improve Slack? Well, first, think about what Slack is. What do you mean by improve? Improve is a broad term. And then ask your interviewer that and let them define it for you. That's an opportunity. I also highly, highly recommend, especially when uh, it's a product that they have suggested and it's not your own, to define your understanding of that product together, especially because your interviewer knows that product like the back of their hand. So for instance, if my question was, how would you improve Slack? I would say, I'd also like to articulate my understanding of Slack and have you correct me if I'm off here. And so I'm looking at Slack as a platform for connecting different technologies together. I also know that it's a platform for communication, collaboration, all these other things, right? And I would start to do that. And then I would let them say yes or no to that. Um, And so in that qualification time, you can also ask different questions like, why now? Like, why do you want to make a change to it now? Why do you want to improve it right now? And that's also a time to understand, too, if there's any uh, key metrics that they're trying to optimize for at that time. All of those things are great questions to ask before you ever try to answer the question. I I recommend typically spending anywhere from three to five minutes in like an hour-long interview on just making sure that you have a shared understanding of the question that they have asked you. Sumeya, do you have anything to add to that in terms of either specifics on the types of questions or specifics on the guidance of what somebody should do in a uh, product sense interview? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely uh, plus one to everything Marty said. I also want to bring to to everyone's attention if they're not aware, but you can look, there are so many resources you can look at online to, to see the kinds of questions companies ask. And that allows you or gives you a chance to practice and then find people to practice with. So like Marty said, there are some tactics you can try and there are some shortcuts or like go-to questions you can you can build out and practice with, but nothing beats doing that with real people. And I would say, you know, like if you look at some of the question banks or cracking the PM interview book and community, or there are so many sites. Margie, do you have a place where where you have some of those resources for people listed? Honestly, it, when you Google product management questions, there's yeah. like 30 websites with banks that come up and you can <laughs> jump on those yeah. um, to practice. What I actually would probably focus more on is the quality of your inter- your peer interviewer. So Samay is right. You should peer mock as much as possible. But, um, and this is a big thing we do in IPMA, no blind leading the blind. I know it's super yeah. cool and popular to jump into those communities where you can mock each other and you're both trying to be PMs. But if the person mocking you has never been a PM, they may not be able to give you the feedback that you need that ultimately can help you pass an interview because they can only help you as far as they've gotten. Yeah. And so- you really want to make sure when you are doing that, make sure you're mocking with a qualified person who ideally is at least a level higher than you. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Plus one there. One of the things we were doing here in this community was mock interviews on uh, every week. We we haven't been able to do that, but watch this space. We might start it again. <laughs>
Yeah. I, I, one thing I've noticed through the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator is that not only do people want an opportunity to practice, but they also want an opportunity to watch others or to hear others. And so, uh, Sumay, we should definitely maybe try that a, a little bit here on how to succeed in product management. Find some volunteers who are willing to be mock interviewed either by Sumeya, Marty, or uh, one of the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator's interviewers. Because I think there's something great to seeing what uh, a positive example looks like. Helping to bring more clarity to what it looks like, uh, is there anything else, Marty, that you would suggest in terms of do's and don'ts, maybe about time management? Maybe you could throw some specifics about how much they should spend doing one thing versus another in the product sense interview. Any do's and don'ts that we can make really concrete for people as they're approaching this process? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So do you ask qualifying questions? Do let your interviewer know how you're going to be thinking through this process. Um, them knowing your framework up front, I know that's kind of controversial sometimes, but it actually is very helpful, especially if um, you're somebody who speaks really quickly, you have a strong accent or any of that. Letting them know what you're going to be covering helps them basically, when someone says that to me, I write their framework out and then I plug in all of their different pieces. So do that as well. Do spend about five minutes on qualifying questions. Um, I would recommend, assuming it's an hour-long interview, back up 10 minutes for Q&A, so 50 minutes, three to five minutes on qualifying questions, about 10 minutes on qualifying users and their specific problems. Do prioritize. You should be always prioritizing twice in a product sense interview. If you didn't prioritize twice, you missed some opportunities. So you're going to prioritize what user and problem you're going to solve for. And then at the end, you'll prioritize again what your ultimate solution recommendation will be. So do prioritize twice. Do use a prioritization framework. It goes back and forth. Some people say you only need to use it you know, at the end when you're coming up with a recommendation. Some people like to see it both times in the prioritization process. But do have a very clear framework for how you chose one thing over the next. Do not focus on having a great idea. It doesn't matter. Do not rush to the idea part unless your interviewer has encouraged you to do that. Unless your interviewer is like, oh, I think we're pretty good here. Let's just move over. Try to spend your time understanding the problem, quantifying that. In a 50 or so minute interview, you only need to spend that last like 10 to 15 minutes on your solutions and all of that. Another trick of the trade, and this is a quick one that separates experienced PMs from inexperienced PMs. Do Try to make the time to craft out what your success metric is at the end of your interview. So after you've made your recommendation, if you've got a little time left on the clock, go ahead and make sure you throw in, and this is how I would measure success for this. It's really big at companies like uh, Netflix, Facebook, et cetera. They're going to, you actually want to, those type of companies actually, I would even recommend getting there sooner and spending 15 minutes just on how you are going to test your concept out and how you're going to measure success. Um, but at like, you know, the Facebook, Amazons, Salesforce, Slacks of the world, um, it's more traditional where um, that is extra credit not required. As you get more senior, um, to Samaya's point, you're going to be asked to do that on the fly. Like that's like your first round interview that you should be able to do in 20 minutes on the fly. And you can't forget that part. You have to, right? You have to think about what success looks like. Yeah, I think I think those are dues. All the dues are there. The other uh, don't is don't talk on end. Stop. Engage with your interviewer. Trust me, as someone who interviews people and mocks people three or four times a week, it is very helpful to have you stop, pause, engage, make sure you're on the right track, make sure I'm understanding and I'm following, make sure I'm, I'm engaged with you. 
right? If you just go in there and you just keep going and going and going, I'm not going to stop you, but you get that. And don't focus too long on nonsensical things. So like, for instance, when uh, this is another trick of the trade, Facebook grades you on something called your pippiness, your how quickly you can say something with fewer words. And I'm not being very pippy right now, but if I was in an interview, I would be. <laughs> but that, those are some like quick tricks. Um, how do you, uh, and, and that's all of that stuff is rooted in real life, right? Folks have short attention spans. You got to get to the point, say what you mean with fewer words. There's books on how to do this and get really great at it. But all of that ultimately helps. And it helps your confidence too. And you're spacing out a lot. There's a lot of ums. You come across unsure and now I no longer have as much confidence in your idea that we're going on the right path, even if you have a good framework. So pithiness is also important. Uh, and I think I think those are some good ones. You got some, Samaya? I think you got it. One thing I add for myself, just that I prefer, is when people summarize things at the end. Uh, so I take notes when when I'm interviewing, but then when an interviewer summarizes after, you know, because they're thinking through the process and they're talking to you about, or, or they're talking to me about how they're arriving at their answers. And then at the end, bringing it together. And that's where, yes, pithiness definitely shows up, but that's that shows effective communication or clarity of thinking, uh, because brainstorming can be a little messy and that's okay. You can go into many tangents and that's okay too. Uh, but then make sure to, at the end, like wrap it up and put a bow on it. So leave a minute or two for that. Oh, I had one more came to mind. Take time to pause. Don't feel the need to rush. If you've got like an hour long interview, you've got 50 minutes to get to your point. It's okay to stop and say, can I think about this for a second? And take, you know, anywhere from 30 to 90 seconds. Don't go over that like 90 second to two minute interval. If I am then waiting for you for like five minutes, you're actually wasting your own time. And again, it starts to create some concern in my mind. So that's also important too. When you are thinking through that brainstorming, it's very common to say, hey, I'm going to take a moment to, to do that. Make sure you tell your interviewer that you're doing that. Don't just like go silent. <laughs> take the time to do that. Put your ideas out, but try to keep that to 90 seconds, two minutes max. I, I notice sometimes with mocks, folks spend a lot of time there and they ultimately aren't able to get through their entire like framework. So just want to throw that one out there too. And Marty, where do you fall when it comes to like talking about the framework you're going to use? So should the interviewer say, I'm going to use the circles framework or, you know, Porter's five forces? What do you think about that? Uh, I don't think it's necessary. I think the whole point of the framework is just to let me know how you're thinking. So it's much more useful for me to say, I'm going to start here. I'm going to go through these things. A skilled interviewer, usually you can look at it and you actually know what the framework is they're using. But your framework should be your natural thought process. So it's not like you would never say, my natural thought process is circles. Like <laughs> You would just say, like, I'm going to start here, go here, go here. So that's my personal preference. But I think it, it's relative. I don't think you, no one's going to I can say no one. More than likely, you won't get dinged for doing it, but I don't think it's required either. All right. That was, you stole my question, Sumeya. That was going to be my chance to, <laughs> to pop back in. Uh, and now it's my chance to, to pop back out because it is Red's turn to manage the stage. I've gotten my questions answered. Sumeya had a few of her questions answered. Now it's time for your questions to be answered. Uh, before we get there, I do have one request. We're talking about preparing for product management interviews. And one of the takeaways is that practice makes perfect. Uh, we have 
uh, 46 people in the inaugural cohort of the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator uh, who are so close to getting their first product management job, and they could just use a little bit more help mock interviewing with product managers who have done mock interviews and, and know what they're looking for and can give constructive and uh, solid feedback to help them improve. So if you are interested in volunteering your time, even one mock interview could change a life and connect you to somebody who we think is pretty special. So if you want to email product at uw.edu, that's product at uw.edu, and email us with your LinkedIn profile and uh, when and how you'd like to conduct some mock interviews, we'd love to have your help as we aim to empower 100 professionals from historically marginalized communities to land their first product management role by June 2022. Uh, you heard the origin story right here today with Marty. We're glad to have her here, and uh, we'd love to have you help us all broaden access to economic opportunity and help develop more inclusive innovations through a more diverse product management uh, community. That said, Red. I spoke too much. It's your turn. Do your thing. You know, Jeff, with a beautiful microphone set up and an incredible radio voice like that, I think there's no such thing as talking too much. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Of course. So first of all, just for everyone who is not aware of what's about to go down, we are hearing from two incredible experts, our in-house resident, uh, incredible expert on product management, Sumay, as well as Marty, representing not only the hiring process, but ultimately from a product perspective, how you, someone who might not be in product but needs an in, this is an inclusive opportunity for you to work with someone who cares a lot about it and set up programs for it. So with that in mind, we have open Q&A starting right now. Uh, raise your hand. Now, if you don't know how to do that, there's a little button on the bottom of your screen. And you just press on that little hand emoji thing. It's over a little notebook. And then I see your face. And as long as you're someone who's a product manager or an engineer, I'll let you up. And Jeff and Samaya, guess what? This week, I'm sorry, I am not letting physical therapists up on stage. We got to stay specific here. I'm not trying to be anti-inclusive, but I just don't see a PT <laughs> becoming a PM. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I it's do. A couple more. They might have uh, <laughs> a vision of product improvements. You just don't know. Uh, Red, sorry, since you <laughs> complimented my radio voice I do and my microphone, I do just have to say one more thing. This is being recorded. I forgot to put that red circle in the title, but just know that whatever you say here today on stage will be shared with hundreds, if not thousands of people who want to learn how to interview and prepare for product management interviews. So I just want to throw that that caveat out there. Red, now it's back to you. Sorry about that. I don't know if you were implying that I should watch what I say or others should, but I, I'm keeping whatever I said. And I will hold by it. PT and PM are too many letters removed in the alphabet. So if you are a PT and you want to talk about becoming a PM and you're serious, I will let you on stage. All right. there, there There's my inclusivity for the day. Now, as far as uh, who is on stage, Matt, I believe I've seen that puppy on stage before, that cute dog. So uh, here's the deal. The, the mic is yours. The stage is yours. What question do you have for Marty or Samea? How can we help? Or if you have something you want to contribute, please. Yeah, uh, thanks again, Red, and everyone else contributing to the conversation. I think it's a really important topic. Uh, my question is specifically focused around uh, dealing with rejection. So for just a specific scenario, let's say that you know, you've made it through the final round of, let's say, Google, and you got the unfortunate, you notice that, uh, unfortunately, you didn't make it through. But they say that, you know, you, you've, you've had an impressive interview. And, and although you will have about a year until you can apply again, however, they do point you to opportunities for product operations or, or program management role that they think you could be do well at. Do you think it would make sense to um, kind of get toward that direction to kind of get yourself immersed in sort of that culture? as more product-led and data-driven, or do you think it would make more sense to kind of use that year, go through different you know, materials online, 
continuing to go on to this podcast and, and learn, you know, that direction. So what, what do you think would be, you know, sort of the best uh, direction from your guys' experiences? I think the question is what your goal is. For instance, in your example, you said Google, right? If your goal is to work at Google, which you just kind of outlined, it's great. If your goal is to be a product manager, you don't let somebody stop your shine. You get back at it. You find a company that values you. You figure out ways to improve your processes and how you explain your frameworks, break things down and all of that. And you find a place and you get some experience as a PM. And uh, experienced PM, I can tell you, if you go somewhere else and you do your thing, Google's going to be knocking down your door. <laughs> It'll be a nice little full circle story you can tell on LinkedIn one day. Um, but it just depends on what your goals are. If your goal is, I only want to work at Google and Google's all I care about, then absolutely go back to the grind and figure out how to get back into Google and practice for a year and stay in a job that you probably don't like for that. But if it is, in fact, just to be a product manager, pull back and, you know, take a moment, breathe a bit and get back in the game, right? You don't, you don't let somebody knock you down. Google's like the, one of the hardest interviews. So like the fact, if you got through all the rounds at Google, you'll probably be fine to go to like any other like mid-tier tech company and you'll probably pass with flying colors. So, so there's that. <laughs> Samaya, would you like to add anything to that as well? I, I love where Marty started in terms of understanding your goals. Uh, I think there is a lot that has been written about interviewing for companies like Google and Facebook. If your goals are not company specific, then there is a, a wide open world out there and you shouldn't underestimate the the amount of diversity of product management roles that are available. That can be a great way for you to start and to thrive and grow. Um, so yeah, keep listening to other PMs and talking to other PMs and, and you'll see that. All right. Looks like Matt is happy when we uh, flicker the microphone in Clubhouse. That is like virtual clapping, Matt. I'm really happy to have you back. Samaya Marty, thanks for jumping in and weighing in. So uh, with that, we have another question from uh, Omar. Omar, I have no idea what you do other than you like Denver. And so I'm happy to know that you are someone who's really into Denver, but how that ties to product, you're going to have to help me out here. So the stage is yours, buddy. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do need to kind of fill that out a little bit. Um, I guess it gives a little bit of a mysterious look. <laughs> but um, my question was actually regarding uh, pretty basic. Do you think an MBA is a necessary or a value add of if you're applying to roles, if you don't have an MBA, should you consider doing that first? Um, and just kind of what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> so Jeff knows um, I, I can go on a tangent about MBAs and product. But, but the short answer is, is it a requirement? No. Does it add value? That remains to be seen. There are some companies that love MBA PMs. Amazon is one. They will take you gladly with open arms. There's other companies. doesn't really matter. If you want to get a feel for whether or not that company values it, look up their chief product officer. Look at their LinkedIn and see if they got one. Typically, the highest level person at that company is a reflection of that product organization's expectations. And so you, you'll see that, right? Whereas like companies like Facebook, right? You know, when your CEO doesn't even have a college degree, you can't really require your product people to have MBAs, right? Um, and so it just really depends. I, I do think that there are some parts of product that are better suited for MBAs. Like I think in product marketing specifically, an MBA is a game changer and a hard requirement. In product management, some of the best PMs I worked for, for and with came from much more, I can say non-traditional because technically every PM is a non-traditional background. There's not a, a clear-cut way answer way, but they, they had more varied experiences, right? They like studied literature and then all of a sudden found themselves in technology. So not required, 
not going to kill you from opportunity. But like, like I said, some companies care about it. Um, and you also see it in startups, early stage startups. They care about the, the pedigree, you know, and the MBA. And that's because a lot of the work that happens at that early stage is very highly strategic. And there is a myth that to be a strategic person, you have to have an MBA. And that's not always necessarily true. You know, the most strategic folks in the world don't necessarily have one. Um, if you look at like the, the Bezos and stuff of the world, I don't, I don't believe he has an MBA either, but he runs one heck of a big company. So it just really depends. So that's a quick rule of thumb I use. Like if someone reaches out to me, I just look their CPO up um, and I, I just check their LinkedIn. And if I see MBA, I'm like, okay, this is probably MBA culture. If I don't, smooth sailing. And then I got to chime in too, Marty, uh, as a professor who teaches in uh, several MBA programs here at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business. I think it goes back to Marty's and Sumeya's common question of, of the why. Uh, you have to understand the goals and the outcomes. So if you're trying to get an MBA so that you have the stamp of approval that will get you a product management job, I think there are cheaper and easier ways to, to become a product manager. But if, there's certain things that an MBA program does, and there's certain things that an MBA program does not. And uh, focusing on what it does, I, I think it gives you a, a community of support. Uh, so you make connections that, that will last a, a lifetime very often. It opens up a, a broader community of support as alumni very often want to give back. And then I think more importantly is it's it's just a time that you dedicate to learning. And if you actually dedicate that time to learning and meeting new people, you learn new frameworks, you get practice applying them, you have professors who are invested in your success and work with you to understand those frameworks and how to apply them. And so it's an investment in your future. And it, again, it, it, I don't, do not think an MBA makes sense if you're just trying to say, I want to become a product manager Will this certificate, uh, this degree help me do it? But I think it does make sense if you're looking at the long view and you want some of those things that an MBA provides uh, in terms of the community, the frameworks, this dedicated structured time for learning, and the, the coaching that you get from professors who are there for you as you you practice what, what they teach you. Uh, Sumeya, anything to add to that before I turn it back to Ray? I, I chuckled a little bit when I heard the question, frankly, because I also hear this question about uh, a technical background. People ask the question of, do I have to have a computer science or a software engineering degree to, to be an effective products manager? And my answer to that is the same as the MBA one, is no. <laughs> I, I just start with that very reductive answer of, no, you don't have to have any kind of degree for, to, to get a products management job. However, having said that, it depends also on what company and the goals, et cetera. So everything I, I think that has been said so far by Jeff and, and Marty, I agree with. And I just wanted to add that this is relevant to any kind of degree question people ask, whether it's computer science or MBA, et cetera. Okay. Well, I, I, I appreciate the sentiment. And there's a lot of people out there probably... I've given a lot of thought to what they need to get that next job. Uh, in a few minutes, we do want to make sure we have time for closing thoughts. So, Omar, thank you for the opportunity. Brock, on. Well, then, Brittany, we've got room for a question from you, and then we're going to turn the tables on its head and say, how do we uh, make sure that the person interviewing is doing the right job? So, with that in mind, Brittany, uh, see your background. You're an adventurer, a change maker. Well, now's an opportunity for you to change all of our lives by asking the most amazing question ever, so no pressure. So <laughs> thank you. Um, all right. Thanks so much for uh, bringing me up to the stage. I just want to say uh, thanks for that. Um, in terms of trying to get it breaking into the product industry, I guess this question is more so for transitioning from one career field into another, um, in specifically into product. Um, 
So I predominantly have come from a sales background and recently have gone into a, a customer success role to get more of that consultative uh, experience and also kind of be in that tr- transitional stage, um, you know, post-sales more close to product and um, talking to different teams that would want to hear what customers uh, have to talk about. Um, that being said, um, I've done a lot of research in terms of trying to figure out, you know, what you can use for your skill set on your resume to kind of tailor it to what a product manager would, would have for a resume. But um, it's been very difficult trying to get that exposure or getting the opportunity to speak to someone in terms of even just getting an interview because I don't have the experience. So I guess my question is, what would you guys recommend um, of being able to, um, besides networking, um, getting someone to give you an opportunity to just be able to have that conversation? Because that's kind of where I've been struggling is just getting my foot in the door and someone live on a call. Yeah. So I got some, some tactical parts for you. I recommend you join our, <laughs> our, um, our Slack group. I'd also recommend you apply to the next IPMA co- cohort if you're not a PM by then. I definitely um, already applied to that and done the Slack channel too. So. <laughs> All right. As long as the bases are covered there. So there's that. Um, I'd also it also sounds like if you're in a customer success role, you probably work in an enterprise tech company. So you probably have product managers that are in your company. Um, is that a fair assumption? Yes. Okay. So um, the easiest path is to do an internal transfer. So to start to make connections with product people that you work with, especially if you uh, typically uh, CSMs are connected to a specific product line or product area, start to build relationships, personal relationships with product folks in those groups, right? What I'd highly recommend when you have that conversation not say, hey, can I pick your brain? That's like, it drives me crazy how many of those I get a day. What is more <laughs> useful is to say, hey, as someone who is on the other side of your work, essentially, right, um, who's interfacing with customers, I'd love to talk about some of the things that I'm seeing and talk to them like you are a product manager, right? And say like, hey, I just want to have a conversation. You get to know yourself, but then have that conversation as, you know, one of the gaps that I'm seeing that's coming up a lot with customers is X, Y, Z, and present it as a product manager, right? So articulate a problem, um, talk about why it's a problem, who you see it impacting the most, and some of the ways that you think that the product can improve as a result. They're going to be super impressed with you and they're going to want to be friends with you. And then continue those conversations, right? And then it'll kind of go into like a mentoring thing. So that's like a really tactical, quick way that I've seen people, you know, this last CSM I really became close friends with. I was like, dude, you need to be on the product team with me. What are you doing? And we brought him on to the other side. He's been a PM for a year now. So there's that. If you're like, you know what, at my current company, I actually want to go be a PM somewhere else. It's a longer process. Um, and what you're going to have to do is be able to fill those gaps in interfacing with engineers. It's going to be a huge one. And then you're going to have to be able to fill that gap as far as um, understanding technologies and being someone who can be a, a thought leader in that way. It's a little tougher to do, but it's not impossible. And so there's a few ways to go about that. But a simpler way is to, and then again, try the relationship approach, right? Cold reach outs were how Photo Chair began. People sending me a story saying, hey, I want to be a PM, telling me why they felt I was uniquely qualified to help them. And then waiting for my response. I think that that helps too, especially at companies that you want to work at, especially in enterprise. It's a little easier to get in product and enterprise, I feel like. And so the other thing I'd recommend is your competitor company. So, you know, if you are at, uh, I don't know, Cisco or something, Microsoft is your competitor company, go start making bridges at Microsoft, apply to product roles at Microsoft. And typically, if I found that if you're trying for a competitor product, it'll work. 
also trying to be a PM in the area that you CSM. So let's say you're a CSM for, um, I'm just going to throw something out there, Xbox, right? Odds are you can get an interview with PlayStation, with uh, VR headsets and anything that's in a similar thing because you you understand the industry. So that's an approach as well. So there's a few different pieces there. It can be a little tougher when you have to close that gap, but that is an easier way. And so when you have that gap, but you already worked a tech company, the fastest path to success is definitely internal transfer. Thank you so much. That was a very, very valuable information. Brittany, you are why we built this program out, the opportunity to bring people that would not find it easy to get into product management. So thank you for humbly coming up on stage and for, as you said, joining the Slack group, getting hold of us on LinkedIn. Uh, For everyone out there who's questioning whether or not it is possible to do this, Brittany is an example that it is. So get aggressive, make the ask. It's the end of the year, time to make the magic happen and all the things that you want asked for. Okay, now uh, with the time that we have left, I'm gonna actually pass it back to you, Jeff, for any closing questions or closing thoughts that you'd like to ask. And thank you for everyone for this week coming up on stage and giving our amazing panelists an opportunity to answer your questions. Back to you, Jeff. All right, I'm pretty useless here in this transition, uh, but but happy to, to test my microphone here yet again. Uh, I just want to kick it over to Samea first uh, for some concluding thoughts, and then uh, we'll kick it over to Marty, who we've got just two amazing experts here today. Sumeya, who is here every single week on how to succeed in product management, uh, sharing insights that are just valuable in every dimension uh, for people of all experience levels in product management. And then Marty, who has dedicated her life to not just being a product manager, but opening the door uh, for others to, to follow through and become product managers as well. So we've had two amazing guests and I could gush on about them, but I'm wasting their time. I'd rather just pass it over, Sumeya. Concluding thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I actually want to cede my time over to Marty because there is one part of the conversation that we didn't get to talk about much, which is the the advice to interviewers. So here in this room, we have people who are PMs, who have been PMs for some time, who have a chance to influence how interviewing is done, who are already interviewing other PMs. So Marty, in your work, both from just a PM perspective and then from someone who cares a lot about inclusion, what are maybe some types of questions or practices that you're seeing still happen today in interviews that you would like us to do away with? Yeah, absolutely. And and this is a short and sweet one. I'd love to hear people listen more and lead with empathy in the interview the same way you do with, with customers and users. And what I mean by that is um, I've seen this time and time and time again, and at the most senior levels too, this idea of it's almost, it's almost like, a, I, think it's, I think the term is confirmation bias, where you prefer to listen to people who sound like you, who relate like you, who use the same you know, thought process that you do. And if it's not that, then it's not right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, especially like uh, product design, that's where you see it emerge the most. Like, because a framework isn't the framework that you use or something that you're familiar with, that means it's wrong. When reality, what I should be trying to ascertain as an interviewer is, did they logically go from A to B? Did they think about all of the different reasons why this could or couldn't work and all of that? That is super important. And so when you kind of go in with this narrow framework of what good looks like, you, you don't even know great when you see it. And so that it would be the biggest thing. It's just to truly listen and truly seek to understand what a person is trying to convey 
and specifically in inclusivity, right? Especially when they look different, sound different, um, approach things differently. Different is not that, right? Technology is amazing because we've built so many different types. So um, just just be very open open to that is the biggest thing that I would encourage. And that is from every level of the organization um, that is interviewing, not just first line managers. I have seen this go all the way up to, you know, the executive level type of interviews. Um, and don't be afraid to, to bring somebody on that is going to share a different perspective, maybe a more provocative perspective, whatever that is, because those type of perspectives ultimately make better products. Marty, I'm so grateful that for all the work you've been doing out of the kindness of your heart, just uh, changing the world one future PM at a time. I feel so grateful that you've uh, chosen the University of Washington as the home for uh, your folding chair, which is now the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. And I'm grateful that uh, Amazon and Starbucks made it possible for us to do it again next year, that we are going to be able to continue this free program for aspiring PMs thanks to the generosity of Amazon and Starbucks, who are both investing in this inclusive space for diverse product management talent to thrive. Uh, so I'm grateful for that. And then I'm grateful that, Marty, you're not just limiting your insights to your mentees and to the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator, but that you hopped on here with Sumeya for both of you uh, to share some valuable wisdom with everybody. Uh, I want to give you one more chance. So Sumeya had a fantastic question. I love what you said. I'd love to leave, leave it at that. But I also want to give you a chance to tie a bow on this. Sumeya said that at the end of an interview, you should kind of uh, tie a bow on your thinking and summarize everything. So Marty, if I can ask you to just any concluding thoughts on today's conversation. Uh, yeah, just a quick summarize. Uh, remember, timing is everything. Being pithy is important, no matter where you're interviewing. Um, also, be very mindful that people are trying to understand your thought process. The goal is not the objective in product design interviews. Um, the journey is. And make sure that you take the time to pause and give people an opportunity to have a conversation with you. Nobody wants to be talked to on end for an hour, but also take the time to pause when you need it to. So when you need to pause and think about things in the process and make sure that you're, you know, being logical in how you're explaining a concept, take that time to do it. Not too much, but enough. And if you do those things, I'm looking forward to seeing you as product managers in the future. All right. Thank you, Marty. And uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. We're here every single week, except for the holiday week and maybe another holiday week coming up. But we're here every single week on how to succeed in product management. We're here on Clubhouse. And then we put this out as a podcast uh, that you could find on every major podcasting app. And we're doing this as part of the Product Management Center's efforts to enrich the lives of diverse product managers, to empower all of you to uh, find success developing innovations that are inclusive to diverse audiences. Uh, we're trying to provide employers with the go-to source, the most trusted source for product management talent. And we're really trying to drive thought leadership, not just saying what product management is, but really what product management should be. Uh, and we're leveraging the brilliant PMs who are generous with their time, uh, along with the interdisciplinary faculty here at the University of Washington, and we're pulling them together to try to build uh, a better future. With that, I have one ask. The only way we could really build a better future is if we do it together. And so if you wanted to mock interview somebody that came up today about practice makes perfect. So if you want to mock interview somebody, get on the Product Management Center Slack channel and offer it up to the whole community or email me at product.uw.edu if you want to be involved in the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator and mock interview them. So if you want to be a volunteer who has experience in product management and experience interviewing, uh, please volunteer. We, we'd love your time and help. With that, uh, happy Hanukkah to Red and my family, my mom at home and, and everybody who celebrates and have a wonderful week and we will see you next week. <laughs>